My light bulb moment this week is, we'll be brief, but it's really just a reflection that fall is a time that uh, is, is quite busy for us at CUNITY and many, uh, many of you also as it respects to industry-related events and conferences, et cetera. Uh, I believe that starting towards the third week of September, I believe there were six events, which is a lot of events, two to 10, uh, Intercofier. We had some events of our own up here, the Veda Congress Festival, trip to Austin, several different things. And uh, I always come back fueled uh, when we get to spend time face-to-face with people. And it's really been a very enjoyable fall of events. I've gotten to see many of you in person. And we have one last event coming up, which Aaron and I will be attending next week in Scottsdale, Arizona, to the PBA Executive Summit. And that's going to be an opportunity to connect with the other beauty industry leaders on what's next, what the future looks like. It's usually represented by the major brands, the major tech companies, et cetera. Uh, this particular slide, they did choose Erin as a poster child uh, because uh, she spoke last year. And we just look forward to seeing what we can learn and take back. And I'm sure I'll be sharing with you next week, because uh, even though I will be out of town, I'm st- we're still going to do light bulb moments next week. And we got a great guest, John DeJulius, joining us. And I'm sure I'll have some reflections from the PBA Summit. All right, let's bring to the mic Dr. Hubiak who has joined us at this early hour, given that she's out in the uh, uh, West Coast. Good morning, how are you? Um, I'm great. Well, uh, there are so many different places I could start with you, all right? Because listen, we at CUNITY have known of you and your success and what a big leap you took to go from a very small practice to uh, a much larger practice and how that's paid off. And I can tell the listeners here that Dr. Hubiak, you have a really great business, you know, um, which we'll get to in a little bit. But how does an ER doc become an owner of a medical medi spa? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a big story uh, that kind of gets into my whole origins and how I got here. But um, I... I grew up, you know, I had pretty humble beginnings. I grew up with no electricity out uh, in a very rural area. No indoor plumbing either for a long time. We did get a phone when I was probably like six. So that was, we were like the technologically advanced people on the block. And, uh, but, you know, I, I grew up really interested in medicine. Um, we were in such a rural area. There wasn't a lot of access to medical care. So I always was reading books about, you know, first aid in the wilderness kind of stuff. Um, that was very interesting to me. And I also was brought up with a lot of art. My parents are kind of hippies out there living in the wilderness on the land, and, you know, art was kind of big in our house and I did a lot of drawing, photography. And uh, it's funny, actually, I always joke that my parents were like, are you sure you want to be a doctor? Like, why don't you be a photographer and artist? You know, it was like the opposite <laughs> of anyone else, right? They really were like, not sure about the whole doctor path. But um, yeah, so, you know, I, I just went that path. I had a little bit of a circuitous path to being a doctor. I was a Spanish literature major in school, but I really loved the ER. I loved procedures. I loved the excitement of it when it was exciting, but I really missed that artistic side 
and uh, the ER at the county did not provide that for me. <laughs> so I started doing uh, more medical spa stuff. Um, that was in 2008. Yeah, and eventually left the ER to run my own business. And it's, for me, the perfect blend of medicine and art. So I found my place. You got to connect a dot on that for me. Um, uh, help me make the connection between art and Medispa. But I will back up a little bit. In a past life, I lived with an ER doc. That is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And, and by, uh, by the way, I just made a decision today, just right now. Yeah. If we ever have a retreat, which we've talked about doing retreats for either our team or, you know, some of our clients. I'm inviting you because I want someone there that has your expertise in case something goes wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm good to have on a desert island for sure. Okay. <laughs> How do you connect art and Medispa? Help me on that. Um, yeah. I mean, so many ways, you know, from everything from marketing and branding, right, which I love, but really into the medical side of it. I mean, making things proportionate and symmetric and beautiful. And, you know, I think every person has their own beauty. And so I'm not trying to make anybody different, but just really enhancing what they have. And, um, you know, there's a certain eye for it. I mean, anyone can take a syringe and a needle but not everyone can really, just like anyone can take a pencil or a paintbrush, right? But not any, everyone can make something, you know, spectacular, beautiful out of it. So yeah, I think art is an incredibly huge part of being in this sphere. That is a really incredible way to view it. And it really is the art and science that coming together. And mm -hmm. directly behind you, um, over your head, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I recognize that. Many people may not recognize that, but that's really the golden, golden ratio of which a lot of things that we see as beautiful are really, and it, it comes back to Fibonacci numbers and all that. And you and I, some later date, we're going to geek out on that. But um, the art of geometry and numbers and and how they really represent beauty and I as long as I'm looking at your wall back there, I'm seeing multiple certificates there to suggest your absolute legitimacy and great skill. And then you also happen to have a five functions planner over there too. So, yes, all my important things are on the wall. I was just gonna say about you know the golden ratio is that uh, I know we talked a little bit about like well how does that play into you know what I do but you know it popped in my head like one of the simplest things right is the the ratio is one to one point six right but we even use that like the top lip is one and the bottom lip should be one point six so even in that very literal sense like the face even kind of follows that pattern. How how fascinating. And I know the golden ratio also applies to uh, technical cutting of hair, too. But uh, what an That's insight cool. there in terms of dimensions on the face, even as, as you as you zoom in a little bit on part of the face. Uh, staying with you personally a little bit, because I and we're going to get to your business in just a moment. And there's a lot of exciting things to talk about. But, um, you know, your your upbringing uh, and then also your current lifestyle Describe to our listeners um, your your living situation. Um, yeah, so so I live only about ten minutes away from my work, but uh, we live in a unincorporated area of the city. So we have uh, three acres, and we're on a well, and we have goats and chickens and uh, dogs and cats and fish and all the other animals you could think of. Uh, and so, you know, 
what is it? You can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. <laughs> and then back to, uh, and we're going to get to your business right now, but one more thing I can't resist. So you described growing up that sometimes you had to be homeschooled because you couldn't cross the river during a rain. Explain that for a moment. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, driving to my house, you get off the paved road and it's about half hour down a dirt road. And um, back when I was a kid, that dirt, that travel path included crossing a creek that didn't have a bridge. And so if it rained hard, then the creek came up and you couldn't get anywhere. So I did miss a lot of school growing up because I, we couldn't get across the creek when it was raining. Um, and it is a rainier place in California. So and homeschool, uh, that term should be used loosely because it was more just me reading books on my own by candlelight. <laughs> mm. Because, yeah, there wasn't anything formal about staying home. What a fascinating life story and fascinating life. So let's get into your business for a little bit. So you you had one location until how long ago? Yeah, so um, I had one location until right before COVID. So like 2018, early 2019. And it it was a real slow kind of growth. You know, I started it with very little investment, just kind of a little bit of money out of my savings um, with just the minimal things. And I was still working in the emergency room. I had a six month old and then I was pregnant also. So there was just and my husband's a firefighter. So he was gone a lot. So there was just a lot going on. And I, I really couldn't commit that much time to it. But by word of mouth, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I think 2018, 2019 is when I hooked up with Cunity. And I actually remember talking to Candace. I was sitting in her chair and I said, hey, do you know of any good business classes? And she was like, oh, do I? <laughs> yes. And uh, she introduced me to Cunity. And, um, you know, my work with um, my coach, Heath, really kind of gave me the confidence to like step, you know, make a big step and you know, I, I think I was always a little bit afraid of success, to be honest. Like I was like, oh my God, what happens if I become successful? It's going to be so busy. And am I, am I going to know what to do? And how do I hire more people? And it was so like having somebody kind of by my side being like, you can do this. Like you need to do this. You're, you're, you're big and you need to, you know, expand and um, was really nice. And so I did make that big leap and then got shut down. COVID came and <laughs> shut down. So it was like the worst timing. We moved in like January of 2019. But, you know, we made it through and bigger and stronger and better. And um, that's when things really took off is when we came back from COVID. So, mm, yeah. And so you have a location in Martinez, California, and then Pleasant Hills. Pleasant Hills has been um, 11 years. And then Martinez, you just opened up this year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Mm hmm. So altogether, you have a staff of twelve. Did I hear? You yeah. Want to describe mm -hmm. what your staff consists of, because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people that are listening uh, in today that really don't have much of an awareness of the MediSpa model. So we're going to break it down a little bit. Okay. First of all, let's talk about your staffing. How many yeah. people and what they do? So um, I have uh, obviously myself, and I, you know, still manage a lot of the day-to-day, -day, but I, I have a manager. Um, and then I have um, th two um, women at the front desk. I have a medical assistant, um, three estheticians, and four um, aesthetic nurses. Well, one PA, physician assistant, and then 
three uh, registered nurses. And, you know, your revenue stream is going to come from um, mostly services. There's what about is retail a significant part of your business or not? Um, you know, on the aesthetics, well, no. <laughs> I mean, we do a fair amount of retail, but percentage wise, it's pretty low. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. The medical services are, you know, pretty high revenue. So those really drive a lot of our revenue. Well, um, I didn't ask you this question, but could you give me an idea what your square footage is at the um, uh, Pleasant Hills location? Yeah. So, um, you know, my first location, my square foot was about 500. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm pretty good out of 500 square foot. Um, And then we moved um, to the new place, which was about 3,500 square or let's see. Yeah, about 3,500 square feet. Um, and then we, uh, we also expanded, um, last year into the suite next to us. So that was another like thousand square feet. Well, and without, um, allowing for the appropriate confidentiality in terms of, um, what we share and what we don't share in this format, um, what I can say is you have a very high revenue per square foot, very high. And so you, you have built a heck of a business. And now you wear a lot of different hats. So you are the um, uh, the sole actual MD. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and we're going to get into some of your points of view on MediSpa and do's and don'ts in a moment here. Uh, but um, you're handling um, a lot in the business. So you're an active service provider. And then you, which of the functions do you ha- uh, do you personally handle? Yeah, so I've actually stepped back from being a service provider a lot. I really okay. only inject like once a month now, and I only take people off my wait list um, for those appointments. Um, so yeah, that and that's helped me be able to run the business a lot. Um, it's hard to get there. I mean, that's been in the last year or so. Um, but uh, yeah, so... Um, you were asking what else I About do. the functions. So which which functions do you <laughs> yeah. spend the most time in? I, do you lead the finance function yourself? I do lead the finance function, mostly myself. I recently um, hired a bookkeeper who has been helping me, but I still kind of have to oversee all that. Uh, I would love to have someone else doing the finance. That to me is one of the most difficult functions. <laughs> yeah. um, and then... Um, I mean, I do, you know, I do a lot of it. I, I share it now with my manager, but I kind of have my hands in all of the different functions. Yeah, gotcha. And which do you enjoy? It doesn't sound like finances on the top of the list. The marketing <laughs> piece, not... do you enjoy? I love the marketing piece. Yes, that's I enjoy that. And the education, I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of my favorite. And tell us, tell us a little bit about your manager and what type of skill set uh, she has. Is it a she? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she actually um, started as my front desk um, pre-COVID. Um, during when COVID happened, uh, she's actually an esthetician. She couldn't work. Um, and so, you know, I called her up and said, hey, do you want to work for me full time? Uh, you know, run everything, help me out. And she was like, sure. So she's kind of you know, stepped up in the, uh, in her responsibilities over time. Um, but you know, she, she had her own business so she understands that side of it and she's just super helpful, really important part of my 
business and helps me with kind of all the functions also. <laughs> so let's talk about the Metaspot industry. And uh, you shared some numbers and, you know, certainly since when you got in the space to now, it's been a very fast growing. You want to break down the numbers a little bit in terms of billions before and after? Yeah, you know, um, well, I actually on the way here, I was like, when was the first Meta Spa opened? And um, actually 1998. So it's a very young industry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I opened it 10, 10 years after the very first one. So I feel like I got it pretty early also. Um, but yeah, when I was looking at the numbers, you know, right now it's about a $16 billion industry. Um, and they expect by 2030 for that to be almost 50 billion. So it's definitely like, uh, you know, really rapidly growing and has a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, space for people to get into the industry and grow. Very high growth. Mm -hmm. And but it's very, very different from the other, um, you know, a, a normal salon and spa. Uh, certainly, there's the element of touch that consists in both. But um, you start, you know, you, you move into a whole other space when you go into Medi Spa. Uh, hence the first word, medical. And you take the medical part of it very seriously. And, you know, I'm. And th this is really a message to those that are either thinking about getting into the space of Medi Spa, whether it's taking some of your space and carving it out and partnering. So let's talk a little bit about really um, how to properly approach the Medispa business to make sure that you um, uh, keep to the spirit and the law. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's something I really like to explain to people is that at the end of the day, um, you know, we call it Medispa or medical aesthetics. Um but it's a medical office. It's a doctor's office. And it's a doctor's office where you can come and enjoy your, you know, your visit and be feel more relaxed. And, you know, um, but at the end of the day, it is a doctor's office. And there's a lot of laws around that and who can own it and who can inject. Um, and so, you know, we see places pop up that are questionable on following the law. Um, and, uh, you know, for the most part, most of the services we do are pretty safe, but, you know, there are parts of it that can really go wrong. Um, you know, I was talking to you the other day about injecting fillers. There's always risk of blindness, skin necrosis, bad outcomes, wrong filler, allergic reactions, hypersensitivity, lasers, there's laser burns, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And so in medical aesthetics, um, you definitely, you know, if you're going to have something done, you want to really check the credentials, make sure they're on the up and up. If you're thinking of opening a space, um, you know, it's really obviously best if you're a medical professional, but if you're not and you're pairing with someone, you really want to check their credentials, their safety, um, their training. Um, and you really want to make sure that the, whoever, you know, is the medical director. So a medical spot needs to have a medical director, which is normally a physician, um, who, owns the majority share. And um, they're also the ones that oversee everything and the protocols and are there if there's a complication. So it's really important you have someone who knows what they're doing and is available to be the medical director, because if you have a complication, seconds and minutes matter. So you want somebody who's right there that can help you out. 
just described a, a situation uh, that you encountered where it was another nearby clinic and they couldn't, there was not access to the medical director. So you got pulled in. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was, this happened with a nurse in my community who she's an excellent provider, you know, and really it can happen to anyone. She was doing it, you know, the safest way that you can do it. Um, but she recognized immediately while she was injecting that there was a complication um, and that she had gotten filler into an artery and it was blocking oxygen to the tissue. And she could not get a hold of her medical director. Um, and when she did, he was kind of far away and he said he needed to finish clinic. And so she was calling around just, you know, trying to find someone that could help her. And she knew me from a training that had happened at my office and she knew I had an ultrasound. And so I actually got a call at home from my front desk saying, you know, there's this nurse who's just, uh, you know, she's very worried. She's trying to get a hold of someone. Is there any way you can help her? And so I came in from home and spent the whole day, the next day, and multiple days following up um, using ultrasound to reverse the filler. Um, and, uh, you know, the patient ended up doing well, but, um, you know, I it just that's why it's important to have somebody who can help you. I mean, she shouldn't have had to call around to try to find someone in the community. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears here a little bit. And uh, also, I know you have a, a meeting you're going to be attending to. So I want to make sure that we end with plenty of transition time for you. But I want to go to uh, how we how we came to know you, or actually how Candace Gliato came to know you. And I think Candace has joined us this morning. So yeah, uh, Candace always has a different story than I do. So we'll see what she has to say. <laughs> I know. I already know what she said. <laughs> but you, you to, to sort of set the stage for this, you used the word that you were a strategic client of Candace. Yeah. So, uh, run with this one. Okay. Well, from my perspective. So I, um, you know, I live in Martinez um, where Candace lives and has her salon. And I had often heard of her. Um, just her salon and just her being a big part of the community. And um, I knew that she was probably someone to really uh, get to know, um, which, you know, I'm so glad I did. Uh, but I just I decided that the best way for me to meet her would just be to get a hair appointment with her. So um, I called in and I scheduled with her. And <clears throat> Candace's side of the story is that I uh, stretched the truth and said that I was a previous client, which I don't think it's true, but maybe I was just so confident that I needed to see Candace that they assumed I had seen her before. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's how I met Candace. She says in the chat that you're going to have a lifelong banter on this. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, and I I do want to go with, with the story here that both of you shared about um, a little snafu while in the salon. Uh, so I'm sure Candace wouldn't mind that. Oh yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a funny story. It was a very long appointment, so I guess we really got to know each other, which was good. But by the end, I it was I it must have been 9:30, 10 o'clock. I don't know. It seemed really late, and uh, I was very ready to go home. And she she had done balayage. I mean, it was just a long appointment. It was I was almost done, and she sprayed my hair with what I think was like she would know better, but like a detangling spray or something. Um, and then she goes to brush my hair and like, she can't even get the comb through it. It's just so tangled and kind of crunchy. 
And she's like, is your hair always like this? And I'm like, no, usually I just run a finger through it. I don't even have to brush it. It's so fine. And uh, she's like, what is going on? And then she takes off the bottle top and she smells it. And she realizes that someone had refilled every detangler bottle with hairspray. Oops. <laughs> and she said, well, we're going to have to wash your hair again. I said, just can't I just go home like this? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well we're going to wrap up in a few minutes here but uh back to the medi spa and the medi spa model and you know I, I think we've established that it's fat it's it's i wouldn't call it in its infancy uh but it, it certainly is high growth and uh, you know I, i'm just i'm thinking of situations uh doctor where someone might have a pretty large space and they're tempted you know, they're tempted to say, okay, got this large space uh, because it's non-functioning. It was for education. We don't need it for education. And how would you go about doing that? I mean, if you were a salon owner and you had the extra space, you were interested in getting in the field, you, you gave us a lot of cautions, but how do you go forward? Yeah. I mean, so there's a couple ways to do it. You know, one is they could, I mean, hair and Medispa you know, really have a nice symbiotic, symbiotic relationship. I mean, definitely like, you know, we can cross promote it's similar clientele. So, you know, one way would be for them to just to rent a room in their space if they wanted to do that to a medical provider. Um, if somebody really felt like they wanted to actually, you know, be a part of this medical, um, medical spa, um, the best way, so there's a couple of ways to do it. So you can do like a MSO um, that owns the med spa and, um, you know, one of the owners is a physician and then there can be other owners that are um, non-medical. MSO stands for what? Um, management service organization or something similar to that. So, yeah, so it's basically, I mean, that's how hospitals run, right? It's not doctors running hospitals. Um, it's a management system that then, you know, the doctors work for. So, um, you can structure it like that. And that's just talking to a lawyer and getting that set up the correct way. Um, but definitely, you know, pairing with, a doctor who's going to be involved, I think is super important because lately there's been a lot of stuff coming out where there's just like a medical director in a box. Basically you pay a monthly fee, they sign charts for you, but they're not there to help educate or if there's a complication or anything like that. So I do think if you're going to get into the space, like find somebody who's, you know, medical physician or something who's really interested in it. I'll give you a little hint. Doctors are super burned out right now in the hospital. So there's probably a lot who are looking to also, you know, transition into private practice. So um, stay there, stay there a minute. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I, I know what you mean. And uh, I'm going to share within my own, uh, um, my own family. Uh, so I have a brother-in-law who's an orthopedic surgeon and he was part of a practice where he was, was an owner in the practice and a practitioner. And then they sold to, I think it was Northwestern University in mm -hmm. Chicago area. And then someone bought it from Northwestern. So now he's two steps away from what he started out. So now he basically yeah. works for private equity. Yeah. And um, so, so you're saying there's a lot of doctors that might be intrigued by an entrepreneurial opportunity like this. Yes, for sure. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. That's a good light bulb moment right there. Yeah. 
probably a good place to end too. So I can <laughs> give you a little transition time to get on what's next for you. You're you're very humble and you like to kind of stay below the radar, but uh, you are a powerhouse woman <laughs> and a very interesting person. Um, all you have to do is look at the wall behind you to see that. So um, so anyway, you will be an official member of the Brain Trust, awesome. uh, your million dollar light bulb, <laughs> and uh, we'll have to have cool. you back on as a guest. And we've talked a little bit about how we can help some more Medispas, and uh, we'll be in some conversations with you in that in the future too. So yeah, I think that would be great. And you know, I'm happy if people have questions, they want to reach out, or if they want to send questions for our next episode, part two. All right, sounds be great. great. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for joining All us. Right. Thanks everybody else, whether we're uh, watching this live or listening to the recording or watching the recording. Uh, we will see you in a future episode. What a great guest. And thanks for joining me today. Take care. Thank you.